As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. And Tops is going to have to make some of those uh, like really cool instant impact cards. I don't know if you guys seen those. They make like digital ones that were like something that just happened. I can think of like five from uh, yesterday's game against the Padres that uh, would make for good big moments. In fact, all right. Sorry, so I, I'm Brett Taylor. I, I got so excited. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the game. I think the listeners will understand because I think they're probably vibing too. But uh, so yeah, I'm Brett Taylor. That's Sahada Sharma and Patrick Mooney. This is Ant Waveland, you know, Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. And so uh, okay, Cubs just ended May uh, 18 and nine on the month, one of their best Mays ever. Um, we talked at the outset of the month about how. With the Cubs alone in last place when the month started, they basically were going to have to kill it in May just to keep the conversation going and not presume a sell-off. Well, boom, they did that. So, um, awesome. Let's leave the June stuff aside. We've talked about the June stuff a bit. I think people know the brutal June is coming. But let's let's stick with where we were for a moment and that game yesterday, which is what got me so excited that I sort of slipped up uh, our intro. Um I don't even know what I would pick was so exciting about that game, but I'm going to spotlight one thing because it, because it brings in a lot of stuff and it was the curtain call for Javi Baez. So obviously you had Javi having a great game. A lot of other guys had a great game. We'll talk about that. But the chanting of Javi, Javi, it was like the first moment since 2019, probably early in 2019 when I felt, Oh yeah. This is what it's like at Wrigley Field when a game matters, when it's going well, when a player does something, when everybody kind of forgets everything else and is just like there participating in the game. And we just all get caught up in that moment. And he comes out, he does the curtain call. And I just, uh, man, it really hit me in that moment. Like, I'm not saying the Cubs are back. I'm not saying baseball's back. I'm not saying the pandemic is over. None of those broad pronouncements but like 
I doubt I'm wrong that I that in feeling like that was a almost seminal moment in this process of coming back. Yeah, you know, I Patrick uh, wrote this morning. Uh, it didn't feel like it was forty percent empty, right? That there were. I, I like the way that was phrased because I, I mean, I I wasn't at the game uh, Monday, but I was there all weekend, and I was actually leaving Saturday the ballpark in the midst of after the uh, whoever. Now I'm blanking on who they played right before the Padres, but uh, the Reds when the the Reds, Reds had just tied it up, right? And and I. And I left during that inning when the Cubs like pour, like took the lead right back, and I kind of just stuck around in the corner of the upper deck because it I could feel the energy. So I was like, I kind of want to see this. I haven't I haven't been around this in a while. So I just kind of soaked it in as they as they put a couple runs on the board before I took off, and it was just like, yeah, I did miss that. I, I missed that a lot. That was that like that does something to you. It's it's a it's just a feeling that that has been gone for a while, and and the energy and and the fact that these fans are turning it on because they're watching something that feels like, whoa, I wasn't sure. Well, first of all, we haven't they haven't had a chance to watch it in person in a long time. Second of all, the Cubs are doing something that I'm not sure many of us really thought they were going to play this well during this stretch and and just kind of uh, shut everyone up that was expecting that was guaranteeing. Uh, this this sell off, uh, but it, it was it, the energy is fun. The energy, I mean, that Javi home run yesterday. Just watching it was fun uh, as as an observer because you could see the just him, just everything, the, the moment of it because it kind of felt like oh they're playing the Padres and are they gonna are they, can they beat this team consistently? What can they do? And and it felt like that swing of the bat was just like yeah we're still here we're still a good team and. And oh yeah, Wrigley Field is a huge advantage for us because listen to this crowd and look at how Javi reacts to the crowd and just what it does to the team in general. That first Javi home run, my ears started to hurt. Like it was so loud and maybe I just wasn't used to it in such a long time. Uh, Maybe maybe too much to drink this weekend. I don't know. But like, I was just like, my ears did not feel comfortable. But at the same time, I was like, this is awesome. And it felt like the press box was like kind of about to start to shake. Like Javi's hit those home runs before, like, um, you know, off lackey against the Cardinals in the 2015 playoffs. And like, you could feel the press box kind of starting to sway and, it didn't quite get there, but there was kind of just like a little hint of that. And, you know, no doubt it felt like kind of the beginning of summer. The Cubs are, if not back, definitely relevant. And you could just feel all this pent up energy in the city. I mean, you could see it around the ballpark. I mean, I left pretty late last night when they kicked us out of the press box. And there was just like kids playing, uh, like kind of wiffle ball or throw playing catch with their dads on Gallagher way. You had the, um, I mean, beer shower dude, like kind of going up there in the Pantheon with like my tie guy and nacho man of just like kind of the random, uh, fans that insert themselves into Cubs games. Like it was, I mean, a pretty perfect Memorial day. Yeah. I didn't realize, you know, I thought, you know, watching live, of course this was the, was it was KB's yes, homer yeah. yeah to write and 
Uh, I thought it was just he was reaching for the ball and he just did the faux pas and just or dropped his beer as he was reaching for the ball. No, it turns out in his little plastic cup, he was trying to catch like a line drive home <laughs> run in his plastic cup full of beer. And it's like, even that, it just gives me such a happy feeling because it's like that is the kind of stupid <laughs> bad shit decisions that you're are supposed back. to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. That's the teaser line for this. Bad decisions are back. We mean it in a good way, don't worry. Um yeah, so uh gotta give some love in in that game, not only to Javi Baez had the two home runs, uh, Chris Bryant tripled and homered. Patrick Wisdom, we, I, I reckon we'll mention him in a moment because he's an interesting story, um, also had two home runs. And the Cubs, of course, got the fill-in start from Cole Stewart, who was in because uh, Trevor Williams' appendix decided to attack him over the weekend uh, and was cut from the team, the appendix, that is. And uh, Williams will be down for uh, an undetermined amount of time. And so Stewart gets the call. Fortunately, he was on the same starting schedule. And, I mean... I don't know. I know he has big league experience. Uh, and I know he has the pedigree of a top prospect. But still, you come up in that circumstance and you're facing these Padres. That's a loaded lineup. Wind is howling out to center. You know, you know that anything up in the air is going to be going out. And he gives up one. And he gets, what, nine ground outs, a couple double play ground outs, snags one behind his back and plays it cool. Uh, that was just a really impressive performance, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea how sustainable it is, you know, when a guy is getting a ton of ground balls, you know, that's, for me, that's a good sign, but also, like, you know, these the, that that type of pitcher, it can go south quickly in certain games, but still, the Cubs just, it just feels like right now the Cubs are in one of those grooves where everybody they call up and everybody they bring up is contributing in some fashion, and I guess we've been waiting for that for years, right? I mean, how much have, have the Cubs talked about this? Like, we, they don't get very many surprises. They don't they don't develop guys at the big league level. Uh, the Yankees do that. The A's do that. The Dodgers do that. The Cubs don't do that now. Or or even even more, Cubs fans would be like, how come everybody the Cardinals call up comes up and and beats the crap out of our team, but we can't get one guy to come up and contribute? They can't say that this year, not for this stretch. I mean, nobody was expecting Rafael Ortega and and Patrick Wisdom uh, to help. I mean, Matt Duffy wasn't supposed to help. I mean, there's a, it's a long list of people that have come in and stepped up that nobody was really saying, you know, put put a asterisk next to this guy's name because watch out he's going to impact this team in 2021 nobody was saying that for majority of the people that have come up and, and impacted this team it's been really interesting to watch i have no idea how sustainable it is for some of these guys uh stewart looked good getting i mean doing that to that lineup is is impressive getting like uh, inducing weak contact regardless is, is always nice but to do that to that lineup is is a is a big deal uh I, I don't know how long this lasts, but you gotta you gotta kind of ride it right as they get healthy. That that's the perfect scenario where these you're you're banged up. That sucks. You you want uh, your best players on the field as much as possible, but to have guys like that step up is uh, is how you make the playoffs. Is how you prove yourself as a good team. Yeah, I think this goes back to like the end of the Joe Madden era, and people were trying to parcel out blame and I think the Cubs front office was very defensive when you pointed out 
their extremely low batting average on free agent signings after the World Series. And they were signing, you know, role players who just didn't do much or they constantly had to <clears throat> reconfigure the bullpen uh, early in the season, in the middle of the season. They just didn't really know what they have or what they had gotten. And I also think, too, kind of the post-2016 story has been the Cubs not surrounding the Bryants and the Baez and the Rizzos with the exact right supporting pieces. And I'm not saying that Patrick Wisdom is that or that Cole Stewart is that, but they've had a lot of guys kind of pop here. And uh, that's this is going to be a season where you're really going to need those guys. I mean, the, you know, 12, I think it's 12 from the 40-man roster or on the injured list currently, and we're only two months uh into the season so I think no doubt there's a a lot of credit now that can go around from you know the the scouting department to the minor league staff that's what Cole Stewart talked about uh, a lot I think he said it was the best instruction and teaching he's received in his uh, entire career and you know David Ross and some of these veteran players creating what wisdom described as a very welcoming atmosphere that you walk in that clubhouse and Rizzo's like dapping you up. And uh, that was his phrase, not mine. And then Hayward uh, is going over to your locker and introducing you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm no dab expert. I thought thought it was a good way uh, for wisdom to describe it of like walking in and feeling like, you know, you, we can contribute. That was kind of his, uh, his point there. And so, uh, yeah, might as well ride it for as long as you can. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, so I want to stick with wisdom for a moment. Um, not so much because we need to necessarily belabor him specifically, but I was thinking about it because I was I was writing about him earlier today. Because especially after his his breakout, you get, or at least when you're you're when you're very like um, reader facing, like I am on Twitter and like you guys are, you get the same question over and over and over again. And yesterday it was, so is this guy legit or what's the deal? Where did he come from? Where, you know, cause if people aren't quite as plugged in as we are, they see this dude who looks like a big league hitter, but then they're like, Oh, but he's 29. Oh, how is he doing this? Um, and fair question. And I, you know, I, you can read what I wrote at bleachnation.com, but the, the gist was he's got a bit of an atypical trajectory for what you would expect for a 29 year old. Who's just, you know, getting this taste. And he actually, first got a taste three years ago with the Cardinals was a long time, well appreciated Cardinals prospect. And so it just kind of was a fluky positional roster situation that left him unable to have an opportunity like this until now at a little bit older age. 
And what it got me thinking about is something that we have talked about on this podcast for multiple years now. And it's the bigger point about getting these um, unconverted position players who haven't flipped that switch, who have the latent talent, who are like the relievers that the Cubs have had so much success with the last few years where they can find guys that do like one or two really compelling things and then they hone that and turn that into a complete reliever. We've been talking for years, like when are they going to do that on the positional side? When are they going to find a guy who is really talented, you know, like a Max Muncy, who's like talented in a lot of ways, but is just not hitting the ball in the air hard enough or whatever it is. Get him into your system, get a different way of thinking, a different approach, and then that light switch goes and it's like, He's a completely different tier of player. And I'm not saying that wisdom is that guy, but it's like, I want to put that topic back on the radar because as we look ahead, both this year and into the future, what this rash of injuries has shown us, if nothing else is the Cubs upper minors in terms of position prospect talent, particularly on the 40 man is almost entirely bereft. I mean, I get that the pandemic and the lost season last year has messed with that. But what it really is, is we're seeing the filtering out uh, the, the product of decisions the Cubs have made at a farm system level over the last five or six years, where they started to transition to becoming really pitching focused, uh, using a lot of their draft capital, uh, a lot of the focus and what they were doing to acquire talent was on the pitching side. And hey, God bless, very successful if you're following the farm system at all. And in fact, you guys just wrote, uh, Sadev and Patrick just wrote a fantastic piece this week at The Athletic about the farm system, about Craig Breslow, the, the VP who's in charge of pitching development. And just, it's legit. What's happening on the farm system right now in the Cubs, on the Cubs pitching side, everything we hoped they could be doing, they're doing. So tune in for that. But on the positional side, it's kind of rough. It's kind of a thin system. And you start to see this year why like, oh, that's why they really prioritized getting some young positional prospects back in the U Darvish deal. Like they really need to take these swings. And so again, we're probably going to have this gap, multi-year gap of guys not necessarily ready and stepping forward. Who's going to fill that? Cause you're not necessarily going to re-sign everybody. We already know that. And so whether it's a Patrick wisdom or a Matt Duffy or someone like that, you just wonder if they can finally maybe have some success with getting these, uh, castaways from other organizations to really pop when they get into the Cubs organization. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that has been on their radar for a couple of years now. I, I mean, wisdom is interesting because these aren't like it. He's hitting the ball hard consistently since he's come up. I mean, he should have, he should have more home runs, frankly, because the wind took a couple away over the weekend uh against the reds i want to say friday he he hit one that looked like it was a sure home run if there's no wind uh at least one so uh, he's he looks i mean he's better than his numbers saying i'm pretty sure his numbers are ridiculous i don't uh, have them in front of me and yeah yeah yeah, he walked yesterday at the end of the game by the way a three two pitch was like four inches off the plate and he took it correctly called strike three so we're gonna flip that in his stats. Oh too. really? That's that's, that's a <laughs> yeah. walk now. Give him that one too. He's got he's got four homers. <laughs> he 
He's got yeah. an extra walk and take away strikeouts. So he's, he's basically the MVP. I mean, I just yeah, he's, he's batting he's like six hundred. Then uh, I mean, we're 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 stealing hits away from him. The wind, bad umpiring. This is unacceptable. Uh, I saw, by the way, one of those swings where he he grounded out. He was blinking his eye. I think he had a fly in his eye or something. And so, boom, give him a hit. Give him a so hit. It'll give him a hit there. Wow, this guy's unstoppable. Well, I think they've <laughs> found something. But uh, <laughs> in general, no, this year, you're 100% right on the like Max Muncy, Mark, I think of Mark Canna, uh, Gio Urshula. Like these are guys that uh, nobody expected to be consistent producers uh, at a high level on playoff caliber teams. And and they get to these teams, the A's, the Dodgers, the Yankees, and and they start producing and they start they're, they're different. They're thought of completely differently. I don't know if that's Matt Duffy. I don't know if that's Patrick Wisdom, if the Cubs have found something here. But for two months now, they've they've had the next person coming up and and helping this team win games. And th- that's they've been searching for it. I remember when. <laughs> Uh, it must, I don't know if it was when the minor league season started or kind of, it may have been around when the minor league season started. And, and I saw that first Iowa lineup or the Iowa roster. That's what it was. I was like, wow, the Cubs probably can't afford to have too many injuries here. That's going to be rough. And, and these guys have shut me up. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, you never, I mean, credit to the pro scouting department too. Uh, they, they must have seen something in each of these guys that, that they, they believed that they'd be helping. Uh, I think the, the fact that we, we see these guys producing in spring training may not, uh, you know, really show up in, on our radars during that month, you know, in March, but obviously there, there's something going on and, and they're help they're, they're getting better and they're, they're prepared to contribute at the major league level, which I think is huge. I think far too often we, we see guys just come up and, and they're barely usable because they're, you know, a 29 year old that's floated around that hasn't, that just isn't ready to contribute on a regular basis. And if you look at someone like Cole Stewart on, on the pitching side, I mean, Mike McGraw, the daily Herald pointed this out during yesterday's zoom that, uh, uh, Stewart was ranked higher by at least one recruiting service than Mitch Trubisky coming out of high school. Like this is someone athletic enough that he could have played quarterback in Texas A&M and uh, Cole downplayed that saying that, you know, I was on a great team surrounded by some great receivers. They made me look good, but I mean, you don't go number four overall in the draft two spots after Chris Bryant without having just like enormous physical gifts and a, you know, huge industry consensus that you could be, um, you know, a top of the line starting pitcher. And he's obviously nowhere close to that, but we saw what the Cubs did with Jake Arrieta a long time ago and how they've uh, been able to overhaul their pitching department, get results at the major league level. And Jed's talked about this. We need to create spots to find the next Jake Arietta. And we didn't think they'd actually re-sign Jake Arietta. But um, when you look <laughs> at someone like Cole Stewart, it's not, you know, and I'm going to compare him to Trevor Williams just because he's the one who had the emergency surgery and appendectomy. But you, know, he's someone who's kind of, you know, maximized his, his talents, you know, he works really hard, has a, you know, kind of sense of what he needs to do, doesn't have an enormous margin for error. I mean, Cole Stewart, 
Uh, when you look at his athletic background, his draft pedigree, and there's a lot to work with there, and that the Cubs you know, need guys like that to pop, and it's not <clears throat> unreasonable to think that they have a really interesting guy to work with here f- for the at least the rest of this season. And not unlike Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> a little – a little reliant on an exceptional defense, but you know maybe that'll play. Like, hey, Mitch, Mitch wrote it to a thirteen and three year. So, well, I definitely you know, saw those that's... two plays yesterday. I was like, oh, Rizzo makes that play. Whether it was the Javi kind of uh, errant throw or KB's reaction time on that hit uh, up the first baseline, like that to me was like, okay, this yep. is where the inning unravels and like Cole Stewart gets knocked out and it becomes like a bullpen day. And to his credit, he did not uh, let that. Uh, impact him at all yeah it'll be interesting we don't have to get too nerdy on this but I remember when I dove in on him when the Cubs signed him in the offseason what you notice is he's always had like exceptional pitch movement just like upper tier you can see why the Cubs targeted him but he never misses bats he just doesn't miss bats at all and I don't quite I, I have trouble squaring that and you're watching yesterday and even yesterday unbelievable pitch movement but you know it's like all still balls in play and maybe that's look the Cubs have had tons of success with contact managers, and maybe he can be that guy. But it's just for him in particular. I have trouble. I'm like, this looks like a guy who should be missing more bats. But we'll see. You know, like I said, he'll likely have at least one more start, probably filling in for Trevor Williams, um, and then we'll see. Uh, Stewart is now probably firmly ensconced as that next guy up in the rotation. And I think that uh, this year in particular, we don't know how the second half is going to look for um, <clears throat> pitchers, for starting pitchers. And I dug, by the way, uh, not everyone agreed. I dug that he got pulled after five innings, two times through the order, tough order, first start with the Cubs. Leave him feeling successful. Don't expose him too much. Preserve the lead, all that. And you got you have a great bullpen. I understand that you can't lean on the bullpen this much for six months, at least I don't think. But I don't know. It felt right in the moment. Uh, and I know people were beefing the same thing with um, Zach Davies, uh, what happened over the weekend. But we've talked about that before, that that's just kind of who he – like it doesn't matter that he's only at 65 pitches. It's – he. this just might be – I think you need to know is. your – yeah, I think you need to yeah. know who your pitchers are and what they're capable of. And I think Ross has a pretty good pulse on that. Especially, look, I think the Davies moves make, makes per- – he's learned what Davies is. And, yeah. and he's, you know, he's not going to call him out or anything in public. But – this is the best way to use him. And Stewart, I mean, that lineup's tough. You you want to give that guy a third, like, you know. With the I, wind, I don't know. The way, I mean, yeah. that could really go sideways quickly. Um, and he was, if I, I mean, if the dad was right, he was basically a two-pitch pitcher yesterday. I haven't gone uh, back like, and looked. You're mostly, yeah, you were, I'm. Yeah, yeah. It, right. it, was a, it said four-seam and sinker, but I don't know if it was definitely his four-seam, but it was. <clears throat> Jesus, yeah, almost sixty of his sixty-four pitches. So we're according to the data, four seam and sinker. I, I just don't know if that was his four seam or what, but yeah, it, it was a fastball yesterday, and and it worked. So, but third time through, I don't know if that turns out as well. Shouts to the bullpen too, by the way. So they since we recorded, they lost their thirty-eight point one inning streak of no earned runs. They immediately started another. Uh, streak that I think got up to 10 innings like immediately thereafter and then that second streak got broken yesterday 
together with Keegan Thompson breaking his own personal, what, 17-inning score of the streak to begin his career. However, if you're going to lose that streak, which you probably are, it coming on a monster bomb to Fernando Tatis is probably about as good as it gets. Uh, and he looked great yesterday, too. And uh, ditto Tommy Nance getting the pseudo close. I love that he's like the the faux closer now. You know, when you have the four or five or six run lead, it's like he's our ninth inning guy. Um, that's, that's been really fun to see. Uh, like right. Joe Madden's well, Joe Madden's at... middle innings closer. Like wasn't that Justin Grimm yes. for a week or two? Well, our middle innings was, closer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Justin Grimm. He had. It was funny. Okay, I'm not going to take unnecessary shots at Justin Grimm because he did have some really big. Because <laughs> he helped them win uh, the World Series. <laughs> yeah, he helped them win the World Series. Remember? Hey, and in 2015, you referenced that game that where Javi hit the home yeah. run off John Lackey. In that game, Justin Grimm pitched the bases loaded and then with nobody out and then unloaded them. Uh, with nobody out. I remember that. Um, but yeah, he was the middle innings closer. Now, now it's probably Ryan Tapera. I think is probably that, that bridge guy for, for David Ross. Um, so yeah, Cubs will now keep on the Padres this week at Wrigley. Then uh, pretty soon setting out West. That'll be, you know, we keep saying it, but that's, that's sort of the big test. And in the meantime, they may get uh, Anthony Rizzo back. I think I saw that he told ESPN today that he's expecting me back tonight, Tuesday night in the lineup finally. So that would be great. And otherwise we'll find out how the, uh, the, the hamstring crew is recovering. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. This is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the athletic. Make sure you are rating, reviewing, subscribing, sharing, loving, hugging to the extent you can hug a podcast. We would love the hugs. Uh, I'm Brad Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadik Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at the athletic. And we appreciate your ears so much. Talk to you again soon.